All right. How's it going, Tom? Yeah, good. Thank you. How about you? All very good. Yep. Yeah. Still, still on the road trip. It's been quite lengthy. <laughs> yeah, you, you get a sense of how big America is when you start traveling around it. So we have gone from right in the north to right in the south. That's 1,250 miles or so. Wow. I've got to drive back up very shortly. Wow. How long, did it, how long has it taken you from, like, say, if you would say door to door? Well, we did. We, we took four days to do the trip down to Los Angeles and we're hanging out in LA for the week and then heading back at the weekend. Lovely. Yeah. Have the in it. And we've got this miserable rain back in the UK. April showers. By the way, it's freezing. It's freezing in LA. So I, I know there are some listeners in in LA. So uh, who keep in touch. But yeah, it's really cold. <laughs> it looks very bright from what I see here. But uh huh. I'll take your word. Yeah, bright was not. You know, his last ten minutes was it? <laughs> it's, it's severe. <laughs> Oh my God. I, I, I felt like the last 30 minutes were, were yeah. particularly bright, really. And I, I'm including Ten Hag in that as well. Like we're recording on the Friday, so Ten Hag's had a little bit more to say. And he said a lot of it, a lot of the substitutions were forced, which it was a I bit odd, wasn't by. it? I don't know. Yeah. Well, he said he had to take Bruno off because the referee warned him that he was close to a red card. I mean, for a start, Bruno got the softest yellow ever. Oh my it, god! It was just—it was one of those very. You see that a lot in like Liga, like every mm-hmm. handball is a yellow card, even though they changed yeah. the handball rule. And so, it's, yeah, it's really not about intent anymore. Uh, yeah, it's just very, very, very soft. But also, you got to trust your players, haven't you? Exactly. Well, he wasn't captain, I guess, because Harry Maguire came on, but you've you got to be trust, trusting that kind of player. And then he said the same about Anthony as well. But actually, the, the, the battle that Anthony was having with Acuni was actually like in quite good spirits. It was competitive, but it was like in a fun, competitive way. Like they were whispering to each other and like the crowd were getting involved. And you could tell like both players were really enjoying it. And I don't particularly think that like Anthony was in trouble of being... Like, I, and and the problem was that bringing Palestri Alanga on in those two positions, and then obviously I've seen him described as King Kong or Godzilla or Top Veg Horse. Like, but to be fair, I think that both of those two were actually quite nimble in comparison to this lad. Like having that as a front three is just well, it's like Bernie levels, isn't it? Like it's 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 that level, yeah. and like it's the reason why we couldn't get forward in the pitch because those three like two of them have got potential one of them obviously hasn't but like they they just they just lose the ball all the time and well, true, in yeah. every type of position whereas yeah when you have a proper front three then you don't and that's why just again and again the ball just kept coming back and we just invited this pressure on ourselves needlessly in the last half an hour yeah. it was really weird because when you saw like it all happening you were like Ten Hag feels really confident here that we, I know like Sevilla were terrible for 80 minutes of that game, but there's still a, a side that can cause you problems. They've still got a lot of quality. And it felt like, it felt to me just, and I know like Ten Hag's made some excuses after the game, but it felt to me like, like he just got way too complacent. Yeah, it, 
strange thinking around the substitutions and the yellow cards. And I, I, like you, I don't really buy that excuse. It, it seemed really odd. And was it complacency or maybe? I mean, United were in total control. Mm. No, I just thought it was not just control as in United had a lot of possession, but tactically in control. There was a lot of movement. Martial really adds movement. Yeah. Sabitzer playing at number 10 was basically a false nine. He was the man running through into spaces as Martial pulled wide. Bruno in a deeper role was playing in a, a controlled manner. United were very functional through that midfield. Scored those two early goals, and and the substitutions just completely changed the momentum. I mean, it almost you could almost feel it with mm. the Sevilla side that ah, oh, this is our chance. They and were also, broken, and also like at the same time as we were making changes which were really significantly hurting us, they were making changes that were significantly bettering them. Like and and Nesri coming on, and players who basically should have started really because they seem to rest a lot of players for their weekend game against Valencia which is an odd choice for a, a team who are so uh, who love so this far down com- La Liga, yeah yeah and, and who love this competition so much it felt like a really odd choice from the, the new coach but yeah the, the the momentum shift was just crazy and we've spoken a lot and spoken really highly of of Ten Hag's use of substitutions this week this season but that was just crazy like after 60 minutes 70 minutes I, I, I'm sure I wasn't the only one who was getting a, a frustrated that we weren't going for the third goal like we would we the players just looked complacent out there like the same players who had started the game and started really well even in the first half to be honest it felt like we, they just dropped off as soon as we started playing well and I like I say I was getting frustrated why aren't we killing this game off why aren't we killing this tie off get three or four nil up and kill the tie. And and then the fact that we ended up drawing the game, oh yeah. my God. I just I didn't even foresee it being like that. I was more thinking, oh, I don't want to go to Sevilla with a two nil with the tie still in the balance. Never mind two two. It didn't even cross my mind. Yeah, United should have been completely way out. This tie should have been over so much control there. I, I don't know whether it was the changes, complacency, bit of both, but it, it, it put a spring in severe step that they didn't have. United stopped doing the things they were doing, which is the movement. They were doing, even from the back, actually, they were baiting the press really well, keeping the ball mm. a lot. And had quite a lot of sequences of passes in this game where they were trying to pull Sevilla out of position. And then, then using their midfield triangle really, really well to to get around the the pivot and and create create chances and what create space up front. And then Martial that does that so much better than Beghorst, his ability to to move into spaces or to beat a man with a run, and 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 then it just all stopped. <laughs> so yeah, they weren't composed at the back. I mean, obviously Varane going off at half time didn't help. Shortly after. And Aaron Maguire has a very different level of ability on the ball, I'd say. Mm. And and like all these changes at the same time or within the space of 15 minutes kind of completely flipped around the momentum and United stopped doing the things that were really hurting Sevilla. It's just, it is mental. I mean, obviously the two huge pieces of luck yeah, for, of course, for yeah. Sevilla's goals, but the momentum had shifted without the goals. Yeah, It's not like they weren't in the game in the way that they're, they weren't at all for the first 45 minutes. 
And the first goal is a, is a complete encapsulation of that complacency as well from Malassia. Just, I mean, I was about to say he didn't know that Navas was behind him, but he surely did. He almost like didn't think that Navas would get there. I mean, Navas is what? 35, 36 or whatever. He was all, he used to be quick and I guess he's not as much as anymore, but like you've just five minutes to go in a tie like that. Just, just get it under control and clear it. It's just, it just summer, like I say, encapsulates the complacency that was in, in the whole team at the, at the time. And also I feel like the, the game encapsulates a lot of what United have been over the last few years is when we do start to play well at times, we don't have that ruthlessness about us where we just go and kill a game off. We, it's, it's almost like we like think in their heads, "Oh, we're we're too good for this." Like we've we've got a couple of goals up now, and we can we don't even need to try as much as we as as we were at the start because we're so much better than these. We can just play it. We can just coast during the game because, like I say, it didn't just happen in the second half. It was it was kind of coasting towards the end of the first half, really. And obviously it dropped off significantly in the second half as well. But if, it feels to me, there's certain players where I think they almost get like arrogant and think, I am too good. We are too good. We can just play at a, a, a half speed. But And I think also like the fact that we've been starting games really, really fast recently. I also wonder if that is playing into the fact that as the game goes on, we that we can't maintain that level of intensity and then we just drop off significantly. I mean, you see it with Liverpool, like Liverpool over the past three or four years, well, longer under Klopp, they start games really, really fast, but towards the last 10, 15 minutes of each half, they usually die down. And I wonder if that was that's also the case of, of us at the moment, where we, as we're starting games so fast, which is great to see, but I guess there is maybe just going to be an inevitable drop-off a little bit. Mm. And they've played a lot of games. Yes, so, of course. I mean, they just they've played. Yeah, I I did notice that was it the Palmeiras manager complaining that they were had so many like he I I don't know why this reference came about, but <laughs> he was like Ten Hag shouldn't complain about games. We've got nine games in the the last month. I mean, United have played uh, how many is it now? Is it twenty since the World Cup? Oh no, more than that. It's like it, it's an insane amount of games. And Ten Hag, as we've noted previously, is not a big fan of making large amounts of rotation. <laughs> and, apart from last and, night. Apart from last night, yeah. And it's it's definitely catching up with some players. Uh, although, I mean, the, the ones that have played the most, Rashford, De Gea, Bruno, there's different different reasons why, well, Bruno will be missing the next game. He wants to play all the time. Rashford obviously picked up an injury. Ten Hag referenced the, the amount of games he's played. I mean, I do, I do think it's catching up with with some of the players. Yeah, and then and then come all the injuries as well. And yeah, it, aside from the intensity levels dropping with fatigue, so so come the injuries. And it's very hard to like map them one to one, but it's it, it feels like there's some inevitability about it. And and like to crucial players as well, which is absolutely brutal. I mean, without Rashford. It's sometimes hard to spot where the goals are going to come from. Obviously, obviously, a new number 10, Marcel Sabitzer, came out with a couple last night. Mm. Great finish for the first one. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. I mean, that's what it's all about. Making runs and shooting. <laughs> good, good, good at that. But, yeah, just such crucial injuries. Rashford, Martinez, Varane. 
this is going to take such a toll. It's it's hard to obviously like when United concede a goal against Brighton in the 80th minute of the FA Cup semi final and they knock us out. Mm-hmm. We'll look to and Heron Maguire doesn't spot the runner or something like that. We'll we'll look to these injuries as being rather crucial. Yeah, it's really frustrating as well because you. I was thinking at the weekend, it was all looking quite rosy. 80 minutes gone in that game against Everton. Christian Eriksen has just come off the bench. We've got Casemiro back in the next game. Rashford at this point isn't injured. And then you, you look on like five days later, Varane and Martinez, don't know how long they're going to both be out for. Rashford, don't know how long he's going to be out for. Shaw's obviously injured for a little bit, potentially back this weekend. But all of a sudden, like it looked like it was it was rosy again regarding injuries. And yeah, now we're in a lot of trouble. And you think to, I would have said we were, I was confident going into Sunday, but there's part of me that's not particularly confident. Like Forrest have been okay at home this season. They're not in great form. They're in absolutely terrible form, but it's not, they're not going to roll over. We're going to have Harry Maguire and Lindelof at the back. So God help us. Then, <laughs> then having Sevilla again next week away from home in a tie that should have been completely yeah. finished and then Brighton next Sunday yeah I know it's hard to feel confident about any of it it, really it is I, I I think I, I put it in the my very occasional newsletter which I, I always promise myself I'll write every week and then don't <laughs> <laughs> so my very occasional newsletter I, I I was noting about like how how much on the edge this season is like mm-hmm. the fine the fine margins between what could be a very successful season. I mean, United could still qualify for the Champions League, win the League Cup, the FA Cup, and the Europa League. Could yeah. still do all those things, and you can make a case for that, for sure. Mm. And that would, be, that would be an incredibly successful season and absolutely not a plastic treble, the real treble. <laughs> and if United did that, it would be amazing. And we'll look back on this season as a, the turnaround, the the season United are back. Mm-hmm. Or it could go horribly wrong. I mean, like you can most definitely now make a case that Sevilla knock us out of the Europa League next next week. Brighton are a very good side. That is a marginal United favourite. So yeah, marginal. I mean, very marginal, especially with the sort of intermittent form and injuries and mm-hmm. so on, fatigue. I, I still think we're just about favourites ahead of, I mean, it's a three-way tie, isn't it, between Newcastle, Spurs and United for that fourth Champions League spot, third yeah. or fourth, I think. But it definitely could go wrong with it. Play Spurs soon. Mm. Also, they have to play Chelsea. I know they're not playing very well at the moment, but we play Villa and Brighton in the league as well. So there's some tough games. You can definitely make a case for United like missing out on all of this, and then it would be a disastrous season. Yeah. Despite the sense of progress for most of it. Yeah, and it's it's really, I know we know this already, but it's really just showcasing the, the lack of depth that we have. Like you think of, well, obviously last night is a case in, case in point, but then you think of like Sunday, like where do we, like what team do we really play? Like how fit is Martial going to be at the start in his first game on Thursday night? The last thing we, well, the last thing I want to see is very course in that starting 11 again. Yeah. Maguire and Lindelof at, at centre half again. Oh, God, it just it's so depressing all of a sudden. Like and and like I say, like last night after about an hour, I was feeling so confident about United's chances. I was looking, 
I was looking at the other results, like saying, because Roma were losing at the time and Leverkusen were losing at the time. I was thinking, oh, I very much just lost actually. Leverkusen were losing to Union from Belgium. I was thinking, oh, this is really opening up. This is, this is gonna, this is gonna happen. And yeah, it, 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 it's really, it's a really good point. Just how, like, finely balanced this this season is, and I think mostly because of the, the lack of depth and the lack and the, proliferation of, of not good enough players that we have in this squad really like you look at the options to come off the bench last night Palestri's done okay this season but he's not shown enough to be a United player Alanga the same which well he's gone backwards this season obviously and then just a few injuries and it there's, there's not enough there and we're really lucky that Sabitzer came like and because without him yeah like uh, I'm not saying that Sabitz has been the saviour at all, but it gives us a, a real good player where we're really struggling for them in a lot of positions right now. And I'd, and uh, if yeah. Martial can't start at the weekend, I'd, I'd probably play Sabitzer up top. Well, he basically did. Well, I mean, exactly. He was false yeah. nine, wasn't he? I uh, mean, we were saying like, this early in the season when Veghorst was playing. Like, what would Veg, when Veghorst was playing in a 10 as well, and Sabitz was on the bench, it's like, why wouldn't you play Sabitzer? But yeah, he's he's good on the ball. He makes those runs, third man runs, and and we know he's a good finisher. And honestly, it's not the craziest thing in the world to to think about doing that. Or Bruno, or like there are many other options that keep yeah. United more dynamic than playing Val course There, I, I I just yeah, I, I I'm very reluctant to question Ten Hag because most of the time he seems mm-hmm. to get it right, and he comes up with these really innovative solutions. So yeah. Bruno playing in this sort of floating eight. I mean, he was even deeper at the weekend, wasn't he? He was almost mm. number six. <laughs> I, I, I didn't didn't expect that. I know we've talked about Bruno dropping back and the options there because we talked in the context of Jaden Sancho playing at ten, maybe. You know, we kind of speculated about it. But there are he likes these multifunctional, flexible players. He's called that out actually. He was talking about the fullbacks after the game, saying I like I like the I like them when they can get into these different positions and and uh, Sam Malassia. God, tripping over my words there. <laughs> Malassia does that very well. Drops inside, yeah. makes an extra man in midfield. Allows Bruno to peel left a lot yesterday. Ambazaka doesn't do it quite as well on the right. He's not quite as comfortable doing that, but all right. Dallo very much is. And anyway, the point being that Ten Hag likes these flexible players. He's very flexible. He has lots of solutions. He's very innovative, I think. So I'm very reluctant to kind of criticise because I think he's... He's he's been, I think it's fair to say, the best coach we've had post Fergie. Yeah, and but, but he is always he's got the blind spot with Valvain Course. Seems very odd that one, and 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 he had a blind spot on the substitutions last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I guess like Valvain Course does do a lot of. I almost feel like it's a decoy striker, really, because he's. Like he makes the runs which allow others to be better, and and there is a lot to be said for that kind of thing. And like if Sabitzer plays up top, like you're not going to get that from him in a lot of regards. And I guess like from a tactical perspective, like you do get a lot. It's just it was just so frustrating for for Man United to be having had to have someone like that. And I guess that's just the uh, the status of the state of the club at the moment, really. Which well, it is, it is, and I'm I'm hoping that. I mean, you, you might have seen the statement from Must that they put out mm-hmm. urging the process to speed up. I, I don't think 
much as the leaks to the press have said otherwise, I don't think Joel and Avi give a crap about <laughs> United and what's best for the club. And, and it's most definitely not best for the club that this is dragging on because I think it will impact United's ability to, to plan for the summer. Yeah. Uh, for sure. I mean, FFP will have probably an even bigger ba- impact on the exact amount of money United can spend and sales. But, uh, but planning is, is crucial and new owners likely write off some debt, inject some cash, which they can do quite a bit, actually, under the, the rules, at least the Premier League rules. And it will impact Ten Hag's ability to to repair some of the, the the weaknesses in the squad, which are becoming evident now. And it's that that process. And 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 if the sale isn't concluded by the summer, you can almost put the rebuild back a year. I think I'd be really surprised if you had to spend that much money. I mean, the Glazers have never injected equity. The only time the only time cash has come into the club that is like non generated is when they've upped the revolving credit facility with Bank of America. So it's just increasing the amount of debt. And that's what United have used to, to pay for players. We, we could really get into a, a cycle of doom here. And it's mm, not really, yeah. we're not really there at the moment, but it's just, there's like some warning signs on there, on, on and off the pitch. Yeah. And when you see like Newcastle getting stronger as well, like this is a, this is a real must summer really like you've got Chelsea who are in transition you've got Liverpool who are in transition you've got Newcastle who are definitely going to get better this summer especially if they qualify for the Champions League you've got Tottenham who might come back if they appoint the right coach and then you've got I think Arsenal will probably drop off again next season but they're still going to be strong and obviously City are going to be as strong as ever so the the race for well even just to get in the top four the next season is going to be really difficult and if we can't rebuild Probably, well, properly, it just it just leaves Ten Hag with so many problems, and also the fact that the press are always just going to be out for United. So if if progress isn't seen by them, and the the press act in extremes as well, like we, we're talking about doom and gloom here, like United lose a couple of games, like if we lose on Sunday, it's going to be all, all, all like crisis. So in Man United, and we go out on th- next Thursday, it's going to be crisis. Brighton is going to be crisis and if that continues into, into next season and and progress isn't made despite what well despite the the non the fact that we haven't built in the summer there's still this is still going to be very very difficult for him to to even make the season like he, these are kind of things that sound outlandish like him getting sacked next season but it's not that outlandish if things don't go right. I think, I think he's got the opportunity to walk away, actually. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm 100% confident that he is in very high demand across some of the elite clubs in Europe and a number of them will be be available. I mean, even potentially the Real Madrid job will be available in the summer, mm. quite, quite likely, actually. And yeah, he will have options, Ten Hag. And I, if, he seems like an intelligent man. And I, I wonder whether he would make the mistake that other United coaches have made, which is to believe somehow that the the Glazer family would do the right thing by the club mm-hmm. and one, appoint the right kind of people in the right kind of places, but also spend the money when it's really needed. 
I, I just wonder whether there's a, a thought that he might walk away if if he didn't get what he wanted. Anyway, this is like a lot of speculation, but it's I think it's 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 there, right? The, mm. This sales process is taking. Well, it was November they announced the strategic review, quote unquote. <laughs> Awful word salad of nonsense, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, double speak corporate bullshit nonsense. I, I say that as someone who works in a corporate, <laughs> but uh, but sales process is taking months and months and months. We saw Thomas Ziliakis, guy probably mispronouncing that, the the sort of third bidder, come out this week. Did an interview with the BBC in which he he was kind of he's basically withdrawn his bid, said he's still interested, but the Glazers aren't actually at the negotiating table. They just keep coming back and saying, "Hey, make higher bids." No one, there's no actual negotiation going on, which is kind of interesting insight into what's happening here. And scary insight. Scary, yeah, yeah. And 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 so there's this kind of that's that shadowing over everything, and and of course United blew it on the pitch the other night, so we're a bit frustrated about that. But these things coincide. Like we know the we've got a great coach who gets most things right, not always, has a very clear idea about what he wants. Clearly has a very clear idea about the type of player he wants in those positions to get to where he wants to take the team, and he won't be able to do that without support from hmm. the the. It, executive management of the club around him and partly that's about money but partly it's also about planning and negotiations and like most clubs will be planning for the summer already and united may well be but they won't know what their budget is yeah and so yeah i think it's it's all very frustrating yeah and i think what kind of makes it a little bit more frustrating is the fact that we we're not that far away really it feels like we're like three or four really good signings away from challenging next season like you say, because we do have a good coach for the first time. It's just that without those three or four, we have a squad like we do right now. And we're relying on youth players to to get us through big games. And having a three or four top quality players in whatever position, like I guess you want obviously another striker, potentially another centre midfielder to, to play alongside Casemiro and a right back. Like you get those three like top quality, a couple of more squad players. I'd probably add Sabitzer on a full-time basis if he's only going for like 10 or 15 million. And then all of a sudden, like the, we're, we're in really good place. And I think that's what's like yeah. really frustrating now. Cause it's like, not now or never, but because we've been in this position for nine years, 10 years, that it feels like just as we're about to get back, like this, annoying situation is just holding us off from getting there and yeah and the competitive dynamic in the Premier League as you noted is it's going to be really significant I mean you basically got the big big six plus Newcastle and I I don't expect Liverpool to be as bad next season they will buy the central midfielder they and and refresh the squad they they really do drop I mean it's a it's a feature not a bug of Klopp when his squad burns out they have a disastrous season this is i think mm-hmm. five times now it's happened during his career and and then that, that's not actually including the season when they made the top four by the goalkeeper scoring in the 98th minute <laughs> at west brom or whatever it was yeah. right so i expect they'll improve next season chelsea is hard to say exactly what's going to happen there i guess it depends on on who they appoint as their full-time next coach 
And uh, if, it, if it's Lampard, yeah, please and thank you. Yes, that would be very good. Oh <laughs> Less competition. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Uh, I, I doubt it. But that's called yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I, it could well be seven trying to fit into four places in the Champions League. So just the, yeah, the, the level of competition is extremely intense. I don't think there's anything else to say on the sales process. We just don't know anything, really. It seems that that was, I think that was almost the best, the most illuminating interview we've had so far, that, that, that one, just into what is happening and frustration of the parties. Yeah, and, and, and really scary as well, because, like, I, I, I know there's a lot of people who don't think the Glazers will sell. I, I, I do think they will. But it's the fact to sell something. It's the fact that so. it just feels like it's going to take. They're just going to sit and sit and sit and wait and wait and wait until get they get the right price, and that's the biggest fear for me. Like we're just going to be in this like purgatory, just sitting and waiting while the club well, we are while, yeah. while the club suffers at the, at the hands. Yeah. Like we've already suffered one transfer window where we've had to sign some lad from Burnley who plays like Godzilla, and thankfully we've been able to get Sabitzer, who's actually really helped us, I think, and especially with like Casemiro and Ericsson being out. But having another summer transfer window like that, while everyone else is, around us is just strengthening, <gasps> oh, scary thought. Yeah, I, I, I don't know whether you noticed that Old Trafford wasn't selected as part of the bid process for Euro mm. 2028. Mm. And there's been a lot of commentary about that. The, the official reason given is that United can't guarantee that the, the stadium will be available because of construction works. I mean, that is five years away, <laughs> by the way. I mean, you'd think if they're going to do some a lick of paint like they did last summer, very odd, bright red paint, but a lick, lick of paint, that, that they'd be able to get that done inside five years. There are literal stadiums that haven't been built that are on there. Exactly. So, but but part of it, I think, is the lack of confidence that the club has that any of this will actually get done. Of course, if there is a sale, depending on the buyer, we could see full redevelopment or a brand new stadium. I mean, I, I think all these things are on, actually on the cards as part of the review process they've had. So I, th- I think it's brand new stadium, rotation of the stadium mm-hmm. and redevelopment. The, the things the rotation is basically brand new stadium right yeah. it's just a footprint that that triangle of land they've got there between the train tracks and the yeah. canal but yeah it just doesn't suit the orientation of the stadium but anyway yes you'd think inside five years they'd be able to finance design knock down and build or, or whatever they maybe not the knock down build or redevelop If you like the show, the way you can support us best is by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And it really doesn't matter what you say in that review either. You can say you'd rather we talked about Manchester City and Liverpool. Just hit those five stars. Many thanks. All right, this game of the weekend. How far is doing at the moment? They're, they're, it's incredibly tight at the bottom, right? They're, they're like the one club in the bottom half of the, the Premier League. They've actually kept faith with their manager. And it may or may not pay off. They are currently 18th. Yeah, and they haven't won for a long time. I'm thinking, what, 10 games or something? Like They've had a couple of draws. Like They had a really good draw. That's like I was saying, they're quite good at home. They, they drew against City not that long ago. I know like City battered them, but still, that's 
pretty remarkable. They've beaten Liverpool there. They've drawn against Chelsea. They almost held Newcastle to a draw at home. Like, it's not going to be easy, but they are in, aren't in good form. They've got a lot of injuries themselves. I mean, they signed 30, 30 players, so I mean, at least they've got the squad to deal with those injuries. <laughs> but they still have got like Andre Ayew playing for them, starting games up top on his own in, on some occasions. So, like, they're not great. But I, I think it's good that they've stuck by Steve Cooper. Like, when he took over last season, they were bottom of the league in, in the championship. And he got them up within in the same season, which is absolutely incredible. Like, especially for a club like Forest, they're a little bit like Leeds, that just they were just stuck down there for ages, a big club who, I guess, their fans would rightfully think that they should be in the top division. So there's so much history and baggage at that club. So to be able to take them up yeah. is, is really impressive. So and that's well, they won the European Cup. I mean, twice, yeah, back to back. Twice, yeah. It's obviously a club that should be in the top division. Exactly, yeah. And 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 the fans absolutely love Steve Cooper, and I think that's the only reason why Marinakis hasn't hasn't got rid of him yet is because he knows that the fans are just going to completely, I not not say lose it. Because Maranakis as well, like has, has got them to the top division, spent loads of money, but they won't be happy losing Steve Cooper. I think a lot of because I, I I live in Nottingham, so I know a lot of Forest fans. A lot of Forest fans say to me that I'd rather just have Steve Cooper. We get relegated, and we have Steve Cooper to try and get us up next season because he's probably going to be the best man for it. And I think that's probably what the Forest board also think at this point. To be honest, like they are struggling. They've got a really tough run of games as well. If you look at their running, I'd probably consider them one of the favourites to go down. But like, yeah, it's yeah. still not going to be I easy mean, on they Saturday. They play us, Sunday. then Liverpool, then Brighton, then Brentford. Yeah. And then, yeah, so Chelsea, Arsenal and Palace. I mean, Palace not ideal, could that, well is be it? It's, not, it's really not ideal. I mean, Palace, that could be a really crucial game. There's six points between 18th and 12th. So Palace definitely aren't out of this. No. Yeah, it only takes a few results for a team to get themselves out of trouble. Yeah, I, I don't remember the last time the Premier League sort of relegation fight was this tight. It's crazy, it, isn't it? It's incredibly tight, yeah. Yeah, incredibly competitive uh, at the top and the bottom. So, I, yes. I can say, I mean, like, what, one, Forrest, win, one win really ch- catapults you up there as well. Makes a big difference, huge, yeah. 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 I mean, we had a couple of comfortable wins over them in the League Cup mm-hmm. and and the, the home game. When was the home game against them? It was Boxing um, Day, I think. Boxing Day, was it? Yeah, it was around Christmas, wasn't it? It was 3-0, wasn't it? I'm forgetting. I think it was it, like two 3 nils and one 2 nil this yeah, season. Yeah, I think it was the first so, game back from the World Cup. Right, right. Yeah, so that suggests some level of comfort, but we will be out without Rashford, Martinez and Ferran, for sure. Mm-hmm. Bruno... Will be available, but not against Sevilla next week. You wonder whether Martial can start again. I mean, he hasn't completed 90 minutes in 19 months <laughs> now. And that was a League Cup defeat to West Ham, was it? Yeah, I think I think so. Yeah. <laughs> so probably can't. So it could be a much changed side. Yeah. Presumably, I mean, Casemiro managed to not get himself sent off. Oh, by the way, we didn't talk about that. Where he took the studs in the shin oh, from God, Eric yeah. Lamella, much worse than the one he got sent yeah. off for the other it week. Really was. Yeah. Like, and they did, yeah. 
I think it actually did go to VAR. It did go to VAR, didn't it? VAR checked in and was like, yeah, it looks fine to me. Wow. (laughs) Got the ball there. I mean, wow. It's crazy. You think if that happens as well, (sighs) like, what? what The whole world looks different. The butterfly effect. I'd be be singing from the trees if if they'd have got sent off. We'd probably won three or four nil. Martinez wouldn't have got injured. Varane might not have got injured. That's it. It's all Lavar's fault. It is. I don't know who he was, but whoever it was, your fault. <laughs> I went off on a tangent then. It should it should be comfortable at the weekend, but there will be a lot of changes. Yeah. Inevitably. Yeah. So I, yeah. I really can't see it being comfortable. Like I, I've I've predicted as winning a lot of times this season and I've uh, I, I don't know. League Cup final, I was really confident. This week I am not at all. I, I just I look at the team. I look at Lindelof and Maguire. It, it is, it's just traumatic times with those two at the back. And that crowd is going to be so up for it. And like I say, they, they're decent enough at home. I, and they'll put up a really good fight. And we haven't got Rashford. I mean, Veghorst scored last time we were at the City ground, so they're not that good. Like, jeez. It's, it's going to be a pub quiz question in years to <laughs> yeah. come. Who are the two teams that Val Medcourt managed to score against in 35 games for Manchester United? <laughs> wow. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll score again if we start. But yeah, it's going to be really tough. And I think, I'm, I'm, I'm sure the players know that themselves. But if Martial can give us 60 minutes, I think that, that really changes the dynamic of this team immensely. Because if we've got Val playing in without Rashford beside yeah. him as well, like, Sancho and Anthony, I just don't think that front three is particularly exciting or too dangerous. And, and it, you start to look, this time of season, you start to look at every single game and all the results of the teams around you and it, they, the results more than performances start to really matter, even though three points counts as three points or whatever time of the season. Yeah. But the, the pressure starts to ratchet up and, and you look at Spurs are playing Bournemouth. Bournemouth not in great shape at all at the moment. Newcastle go to Villa, so that is a tough game mm. for them. But Newcastle seem to be pulling out a result every week. Yeah, and they're playing well as Did well. They're, very, they're playing well. They are playing well. Yeah, it, they really are. They're, they seem to gain some confidence from their cup final win against us the other week. <laughs> so, the one at St. James yeah. is. <laughs> God, I hate him. But yeah, I mean, yeah, God, everything about the club, just everything. Always. I didn't used to hate them. I, I, I know, sorry. So. See, I did. I I. You've always hated them. I don't know why. Yeah, I didn't even hate them when, for the two seasons, they were rivals under Keegan. Like, it was a sporting rivalry, but it wasn't really more than that. Mm. But they do, they do. It's it, interesting. Recently, they seem to, at least um, Newcastle Twitter seemed to be like trying to ratchet up some kind of rivalry, and I'm like, well, yeah, you've you've always had a thing against them. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know why. I th- I remember because I was six when we beat them in the FA Cup final. Remember Alan Shearer's face after the final? I don't know if anyone else remembers it, but he was just there like clapping. And I remember at the time I watched it with my parents. My parents were like saying some nasty words about Alan Shearer through the TV. <laughs> were they saying he was unhappy and doing his parentage and the location of his birth? Something similar. Like, oh, Alan Shearer doesn't look happy. That's, that's unfortunate. Uh, yeah, ever since then, I've just hated Alan Shearer. And hated everything that Newcastle stand for, and they stand for a lot worse than they do like now than they yeah. used to. So yes, I absolutely detest yeah. them now. 
like especially with that Saudi thing. And I know a lot of Newcastle fans who haven't been very, particularly vocal in in their disdain for the ownership as well. So it just makes me hate them even more. Like most of the fans, really. Well, apart from a few, like the guy you had on the show. Yeah, I mean, I thought that's a really interesting conversation mm-hmm. with him, and uh, I kept in touch. And there are some United fans in touch with him and and that group. And there's a, I don't know how sustained this will be, but we'll see. There is an effort to to provide some counter counterweight to the potential Qatari bid. We'll see. Anyway, there's yes. They sport washing works, weaponizing fans work. We saw in midweek. Oh my god! Fans unfurled that banner. Banner. A lot of weird pushback on that. I thought, like, well, they've won the the Bundesliga for ten years in a row. If you if you think that is a gotcha answer, you know nothing about German football culture. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> but but. City fans responded by singing about Sheikh Mansour. Mm. I mean, like, what world are we in for? Oh, my God. I know you're desperate for success, but the the price of that is the soul of football. That sounds really hyperbolic, but it really is. What does football mean to us? There's these are, We all agree, right, as fans, these are important social institutions. They're more than just a business or just an end source of entertainment. If you agree with that premise, and I suspect that, 99% of people listening to this would agree, and, and most City fans would agree, then you can't then go, yes, and a state-run entity is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Right? You've just you've just ended the social aspect. So like You can paper over it. You can pretend it's some kind of ESG thing. I mean, they do it. City, right? They see fans as a as a as a stakeholder to keep happy, right? Yeah. And and they do a lot of overt sort of the, the citizens brand thing, right? but it's all fake. It's part of the process. And anyway, they've done a very good job of weaponizing fans there. That, that's happened with Newcastle as well. And it will happen if United are taken over by Qataris. And it's a, it's a very sad state, I think. It's not even just football, is it? It's obviously the, the ramifications outside of football as well. Like not to get into it, but like it, it's, it's, it's not just football. And I think, no, of course it's not. That's the whole point. Uh, and 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 if you're and I, I I didn't I was about to say I don't know how you live with yourself, but like I just think to, just got to have a little bit of integrity and just this this it, as a football fan, you don't get many opportunities to actually stand it stand for something which is so so far-reaching and it can have like huge impact, like your impact of stopping something happening like this can have a huge impact around the world far outside of your scope as as a as a citizen in any respect really like like what you can yep. do stopping this like if you're a Newcastle fan stopping that takeover in the first place or as a city fan and and obviously as a united fan now like even voting in an election like it doesn't have as much impact as what we could be doing like protesting against this potential ownership yeah. and like, like I say, the ramifications that ha- that has worldwide as well, and and the the emboldening of of the the people around the world. If if you, if United fans came together as a collective and stood up against this monstrosity, but people don't think like that. They just think, oh no, I'd I'd love my team to win the Premier League again. Yes, I'd love my team to win the Premier League again, but I don't think it's worth it. No. to become a a, a tool of. Qatari state's foreign policy or any government's foreign policy. Mm-hmm. Awesome. What a great way to end the show. 
I, I think if we did one three or four nil on that VAR thing would have happened. We would have, we wouldn't have ended like that probably. No, no, we'd have been in better. Saw that vibe. Although I, I can quite honestly say that if United had won all fifty games we've played this season, so it's around about that, I would still be against state ownership. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it probably yes, we would probably wouldn't be quite as frustrated in our tone. <laughs> anyway, let's leave it there. Good speech, you Tom. Yeah, you too. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you at the weekend.